everyone. Welcome to our podcast, Land and People. And um, my name is Melissa Kamara. I'm a conservationist and artist on Hawaii Island. And I'm Clay Jarnicht, Extension Faculty at University of Hawaii Manoa in the Department of Natural Resources and Environmental Management. We are technically a project based out of the College of Tropical Agriculture and Human Resources. You know, all the opinions and views expressed here are do not reflect those of our employers or funders or anything like that. Um, and we just try to keep a, you know, an open space to people to share their opinions and their perspectives. Um, I do want to remind our v- listeners out there, please, please, please uh, write a review for us. Please tell us what you think about the show. I think we have one review, not to guilt you all into <laughs> yeah. doing this, but here I am guilting you all. Please, well, please yeah. write a review. And as they say on all the other podcasts I listen to, it helps people find us and like, yeah, you know, all that. But we are interested really... I I think more than that, just the, interested to hear what what people think of it, and you know, do they do they value it? And I've gotten yeah. some I have gotten some biased reviews from friends and family <laughs> that like it, but I, you know, we want to know what you guys think and where we should go. And I think that's really what we're going to talk about today is kind of yeah. like what we think and what we've learned um, as we potentially think about closing what what was a pretty solid first season, maybe. Let's just say that we are super excited here um, to wrap up season one, uh, 15 episodes. This is sort of the end of the season, but don't worry, we're going to be back. In fact, um, I know we're going to take maybe a bit of a pause this summer, but just know that if we interview people, we are going to release those interviews. (laughs) Yeah, I don't think we're going to like hold out. And we've already got some folks that are interested. Totally, totally. But we won't necessarily be on the super tight schedule of every other weekend. So yeah, we have a couple in the hopper. We have really started off with folks that, you know, are my mentors and Clay's mentors in conservation in Hawaii and in the Pacific. And I think we quickly realized that we had to really broaden, I mean, just for my own education. Well, of course, I, I think we knew it. Yeah. Selfishly, I was like, I don't really know a whole lot about the Kanakamaoli perspective, uh, except through the lens of conservation. Yeah, I agree. And like, for me, I, you know, I, I, I grew up in New York on Long Island, another island far away. I came here to actually learn to study plants and I, you know, go to school, university. And, you know, it's been really interesting to learn from all, all these different ways which people from here in particular uh, kind of grew up connected to the place that they, that they live and work. And um, as well as some of the folks that also sort of ended up here and, and how they, I think that the big, you know, thing for me and I think what shines out for them too is that they were talking to people who have really like found uh, work and uh, kind of livelihoods in which they feel that they are like giving back to this place, right? You know, we spoke with our very, very first episode was with Bob Hobdi, a forester on uh, Maui, you know, who's really like been all over the Pacific too in his travels and, and understanding. And I feel like he's bringing such like the old school, you know, Kama'aina, uh, you know, pers- perspective, I mean, of the land, even the way he speaks, right? I mean, it kind of reminds me a little bit of, of Jason Machu, just just deliberate, careful, patient. patient, and slow, and extremely ob- observant. I mean, and you could say that about any everyone that we talk to, really, yeah. um, who's connected to the land. Yeah. And I'll just add, I think what Bob brought was 
kind of this range as far as time like that we, I think really can reach back to. And it's kind of almost sad to think about, but like also amazing to be able to talk to him. But we, you know, through our conversations and the folks that we're able that are still around, right. You know, we're, we're hitting like the forties and fifties, right. That's kind of as far back as we can reach in terms of direct experience. And the thing that struck out, struck me was just that it's, these same problems, right? Like these guys have been working on this stuff. It's, it's not, you know, we are dealing with maybe new, new species and new challenges. And I think, you know, even with the mock choose and, and a taro lo'i, like dealing with the, um, the you know, new weeds and things yeah. like that. So there is dynamism Flooding. there. There's things changing, you know, but yeah. that we are, uh, there's so much to learn from these guys because it contributes to the same challenges we're facing Yeah, definitely. So our old timers, we had, you know, I think of like, you know, Steve Perlman and Steve Montgomery and Sheila Conant. I mean, people who have seen um, drastic changes, you know, in our native ecosystems since they've been working, you know, for for the better and and for, unfortunately, eh, the not so great. So they've really sketched out so many of those changes over time. Um, I think some of those folks, when you talk to them, it's easy to sort of think about um, how much, you know, you get stuck in those stories of how good things were in the past. (laughs) But actually, you know, when I really liked their conversation with Mike DeMota, because he's like, you know, we dwell on some of these sort of sad stories, but there's, there are successes. And this, again, this is like kind of talking about species conservation, biodiversity, that, that kind of stuff. Well, tell me, Clay, because I always uh, tease you about being the optimist <laughs> or the pra- pragmatic person. So what do you think those, uh, those success stories are? You know, if you're, if you're trying to like not dwell on how how many species we've lost in Hawaii. I mean, I just think about, you know, talking with like Pauline Sato and even, you know, cause I think Steve Montgomery talked about this, which is like, and, and Sheila, like the awareness, right. The level yeah. of people that, or the amount of people that kind of know about these things, uh, the kind of desire to work, it's, dramatically changed, right? From all these folks that we've been talking to and they never learned about any of this of growing up here and they never learned about, you know, what's a native species, Mm -hmm. for example, right? In their schools. And now they're able to like offer that, deliver that kind of information. Whether or not, you know, we, well, I don't want to like put it like, what can we save? You know, it sounds so kind of dreary, but I think it, it definitely points to questions too about, you know, just like as a society, I we know what it takes, right? Talking to like Ed Misaki and Brian Naole, like they learned some hard lessons, right? How to mm-hmm. do this kind of work that that we're still building off of, but still using the fundamentals. Um, and honestly, like, you know, in some respects, we just need to make those opportunities available to more people, right? Yeah. Like learning about it sh- for sure, but also having <laughs> jobs out there, like this is going to, I don't want to get on a soapbox <laughs> too much here, but like <laughs> it really depends on us as like a society, like shifting gears and saying, actually this work is important. We need to pay these guys more. We need to have more people doing this kind of work out there mm-hmm. and this value of it is it's intrinsic. Yeah. Um, okay. So then now I'm interviewing you. (laughs) So then we're talking about how there's so much more awareness just of all the web of life, right? Yeah. Uh, from a biological point of view, certainly. And 
Of course, from a cultural point of view, right? And so I think the thing that struck me about talking to Native Hawaiians, frankly, is that they have, for the most part, you know, at least our guests have always had that relationship. Yeah. You know, they have always had that. And I don't know that we've always, you know, and I'm speaking strictly on the conservation side, have always have recognized the importance of that. And so, um, and even the broader public. So, you know, the same thing could apply with cultural studies, with land stewardship, Malama Aina, it's like all of that is 20-fold what it was. But what's so cool is that certain individuals, many individuals, always had that. They always had that. It was never severed. Yeah. They didn't have to go back to school to learn it. They just, you know, like so many of our guests have said, um, Penny Rollins-Martin, um, you know, like Jason um, Machu alluded to, too, is like you just grow up uh, Nan, you just grow up in it and you just yeah. grow up. You didn't have a word for it. It's just how we are. So yeah. I think that is just so cool about making those connections. Um, and, and again, this is sort of obvious <laughs> to those of us who've been around long enough, but that didn't how ha- that didn't, wasn't there before. It's, it's the sort of like effort kind of after the fact to sort of be like, oh no, like people belong. There's no separate, <laughs> there's no separation between humans and nature, right? Like that is artificial. I mean, and that that's, you know, we, I don't even want to dive deep into that, but that, that, <laughs> that is like intuitive uh, to a lot of folks from here. But when you connect to these things in your day-to-day life, like the pine trees that Nan was talking about, right? Like this is important to you. It's how you connect to a place. And so you become tolerant of some of these things that have been brought here and that you find value in. This landscape has been so transformed. So much of it has like been forever altered. And you can point to the causes, right? It's not like, this is like a long legacy of, you know, we get into the overthrow and colonization. Like it gets into really heavy topics. I struggled thinking about this podcast of like, well, how like deep and where are we going to go with this? But I think that the simplicity in in a way, so apparent talking with the mock Chus of just like getting into the work, right? It's like the mm-hmm. work is there to do. And, you know, for whatever that is, if it's farming, if it's ranching, if it's like kind of protecting these ecosystems yeah. that that are are threatened. Like there's a lot of work to be done out there. There's like a clear purpose, right? It's like kind of like keep that going for the next, Mm -hmm. the next folks to come along. And that leads us right back into cultural practices and knowledge and all of this way that it's entangled. Which is not static, right? So it's really super important. I think two things you raise, it's like, you know, the biological systems we're talking about are not static. You know, they've been altered. I mean, you know, look at the, even at the tops of the mountains and the bogs, right? I mean, the atmosphere, you know, even places where nobody has been, uh, you know, the temperature has changed. So, you know, this idea that we're going back to that, those of us working in resources management long enough know, basically, you know, have come to that hard realization that it's just changed, as you said. And likewise, I think all of our culture, you know, is is always evolving, right? And and that's what everybody's talking about in this podcast. There's a value in so many different ways of being on the land. Yeah. And, you know, anytime you can get outside, right? Fundamentally, your kids <laughs> or people and they're working on the land, that is like paramount, oh my gosh. I guess. Yeah. You know, my kids, what do they, they love seeing like Brazilian cardinals. Like they're, that's oh, just yeah, like whatever's right. out there, they're, yeah. they're like stoked about it. And, and of course, because they're, I take them hiking and stuff, they know when you get up, high enough on the trail, uh, you know, back, 
above our house, like when you get into Uluhe and, and Koa trees and like they're really appreciative of that. You know, it's kind of cool to bridge Steve Perlman uh, on Kauai and then also um, Mike Demota yeah. too. That was cool because yeah. they both have worked for National Tropical Botanical Garden. We also yeah. interviewed a bunch of people from the Nature Conservancy. Some of my colleagues, Brian Nyola and Eddie Misaki of the Molokai Program and Suzanne Case, yeah. the former director. I kind of like put them in as the same work um, and perspective of like Ted Rodriguez, you know, a Haleakala backcountry ranger. Sure. Um, you know, in terms of like long, long history of working with community and working in conservation for biodiversity, biodiversity protection, ungulate removal, hardcore ungulate removal stories. Clay, does anything stand out about, wow. uh, let's be frank, about killing animals that are not native to the Hawaiian Waukua? I mean, I think some of the struggle there that you know, these personal sacrifices that Ed Misaki and Brian, I think, touched on a bit, but Ed was really frank about where, you know, like he's feeling like hate from his his community, right? Like born yeah. and raised on Molokai and he's yeah. there like pushing for this, like we have to keep them out. And it's obviously, it's a flashpoint. Um, Same it, with Ted too. Yeah. Ted, I mean, it's like, it verges similarly into the, the, the cattle story. Right. And like, mm -hmm, we have, mm -hmm. we have a lot of people like rightly so. I mean, you can point to the impacts that cattle and pigs have like if you want it like really beautiful wet forest for example like and you want it to stay nice with like mostly native habitat like you gotta keep that those animals out right you know you have like they it's it's not compatible it's like really very well established that it's not compatible but in the same breath like like as i was saying earlier there's so much land out there and we're sort of dealing with this let not dealing with it like we've we have a legacy here of of hunting and it's like you cannot deny like the cultural importance of that. Like there's no way that we should be, you know, this is my opinion, like talking about 100% eradication, like even if it was possible, which I don't think it is. But I mean, again, that's another opinion. It's like you have space. You can kind of balance these needs and these interests. Well, and I think that's exactly what Ted yeah. And Eddie and Brian, you know, we're saying they're yeah. all hunters. <laughs> so yeah, there's yeah. no debate about the value of, you know, Brian raises pigs. So, and he also gets rid of them in the native forest. So yeah. there's no conflict in his mind. And and I think the ranching is even a little bit of a more complex history. And we didn't yeah. talk really with Lonnie about the deeper history as far as like, you know, the introduction of cattle and cattle ranching. I mean, mm -hmm. and that has some you know, there's like a painful history there. Like if you dig into this, this is, this is like, I was talking with Cheyenne Perry, who's the coordinator for the Mount Akea Watershed Alliance. And, and yeah. he's like talking about wealth and like, you know, in the Hawaiian conception, like vi-vi, like water, right. That's really wet. It's the, the equivalent of wealthier. And so it's like this shift, right. So colonization happens and what are you, you're looking to basically exploit land. Obviously that just translates immediately to exploiting people, but ranching and sugar were the ways, right? But then like, as this landscape becomes transformed, you have local communities adapting, yeah. you know, to that. And this is sort of, again, ingrained a cultural legacy of ranching here yeah. that we are, uh, frankly, we are dealing with a ton of 
of savannah, like grass, grassland, mm-hmm. some grass dominated landscapes. Um, I mean, don't send me, sorry, get me going on fire, but like, this is like a fundamental tool. Like we're trying to get animals like on the ground. Like we, we, yeah. we want to work with people who have this knowledge and it's dwindling. Like the people yeah. that have the knowledge, like Lani, it's kind of like a dying art. Like how did, how do you do that well? And, ha- and, and, the, and I, again, and I think with the hunting, like you can do this well, we can, we can have both. And I know there's, we kind of cracked the door into some controversy there, right? Because, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, this, this, um, this transfers of these leases from DLNR, Department of Land and Natural Resources to the Department of Agriculture is, it's a controversial topic because folks that are trying to protect the forest are worried that like we, they're, they're not going to have, that they're going to have an impact, right? If you all of a sudden make these, these lands available that we cannot now protect the forest, forest resources that are up there, um, but then again, it's like, where do you, how do you strike this balance? Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's super interesting because I think, and I'm stating the obvious here, Hawaii is like the microcosm for so many land struggles yeah. everywhere. It's just like we're a smaller area. So we just come into that conflict with your neighbors, with people that you right. see at the store. It's so hard. You have to balance like agriculture and conservation and the struggles are old. And then there's this underlying like, historical wrongs that are... That you have to contend with, and the economics of like people who've been basically off of the land, frankly, and yeah, just completely exploited and severed. And I mean, and that gets back to it. If we, and then again, you know, it's hard. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's hard stuff to talk it's about. Hard, yeah. Laughing at myself, flailing, trying to ask Suzanne Case that question. Like, what question? It, it all like the wrongs all start with like the takeover, right? Like, yeah, if they yeah. want to get right down to it, you know, and now you sort of disrupt this relationship. And then we are sort of finding people who have somehow managed to maintain it. Despite everything, right? Despite Despite everything. Despite everything, because it's like, it's it's actually like, uh, like the needle in the haystack that you can, like, I think about the mock choose, they're on a three-year lease for their land that like, I don't even, six generations. Like to me, it's like, I can't even believe that. Or Lonnie, like Kapapala, you know, like great grandparents, you know, it's just, it's just complicated and it's hard and yet they persevere. I think that is like the, um, I think that's the take home, whether you're a land steward or you're a biologist, you're like, you're like optimistic. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think what will maybe, I don't know, again, we're, we're not, we're not dancing around any of this. It's sort no. of like just, it's like glimpses of some yeah. of these like deeper yeah. problems where, and I think, you know, when it comes to conservation, again, we are sort of like, it's easy to frame as like, oh, it's a subjective thing, like biodiversity for the sake of biodiversity, but it's coming from such a, like kind of a, fr- a framework that's quite privileged, frankly, like, you know, you have the kind of wherewithal and somehow, you know, we get the funding here in Hawaii to like protect these ecosystems. Um, and, and then, you know, the, the kind of intersection there's like people that are like, for their livelihoods, right? It's like, you know. Well, I think you put it pretty well to me one time. You're like Maslow's hierarchy. Did I say that? I don't even remember. You did. You're like the hierarchy of need. Are your needs being met? Like, do you have have enough food? You know, we can't blame people for not having a relationship with the land if they're working like three jobs and, you know, they're like in concrete jungle. Yeah, that's just And it's like, it's so that's, those are the folks. I think we, you know, people are working super hard like Pauline and Nan and others and the education side to get those folks out there. Just to be frank, like we're in a broken system. Like there's there's the 
this, again, this sort of like artificial separation in which we like separate ourselves from nature, you know, that's like quote unquote. Um, and again, that has a deep history that's tied to racism and colonialism and all these sort of ugly things. And, and again, it's kind of like where you can find glimpses and not even glimpses, people thriving, right? Despite that. Thriving. Yeah, exactly. Thriving and, and places thriving. Like these places yeah. have have value and have meaning. And it's like love is pouring out of all of our guests yeah. for this, this stuff. Them and then the places that they're, they're caring for. Yeah. And so um, I think as we get into season two, we're going to talk more with our peers, folks our age. Don't worry, we're going to still interview the Kupuna for sure. There's actually many people we want to interview on, on our long, long list of people. But what's really cool is, you know, of course, we have so many amazing stories from the agency work that many of you are doing. Um, but we also have getting to that optimism, Clay, is like the grassroots work. <laughs> That people yeah. are just doing in their communities. I think of yeah. like Waikoloa Drive Force. That's like that little preserve is like <laughs> unreal. And it's just like a little nonprofit. You know what I mean? Yeah. And there's so many examples of this incredible work that's out there that people are just doing a local EF, uh, restoration. I mean, yeah. tons of it, you know? So like despite everything, the economics, the history, all of that, people really are tuning into that. And it's pretty optimistic. What I'm getting out of this is just how much much love people have for this place where and the places where they're working and and the gratitude that they feel to have been able to do this like as a livelihood you know like what what do what they're doing um okay clay so my question for you is um what guest or what thing surprised you most jeez or were there a couple of so much there's so much i mean i think well i think what struck me about several folks is that they were like amping to just tell, <laughs> like tell, tell us, you know what I mean? Like oh, some of them were like have... coming into this, like people need to know like what all this, all this stuff. Like who, who stands out? Oh, I mean, Ed. Oh yeah. Yeah. He was like, can we get started on our interview? He's like, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> like let's enough go. chat. Yeah. <laughs> there was such earnest, like appreciation, you know, as we were closing and kind of some of the after chit chat, like just, I think, uh, Ooh. Oh, like I think Penny was like, you know, just yeah. laughing, teasing us. She's like, I don't know. I didn't really know about this, but you know, <laughs> Ane told me to. And so I, I agreed. And then she's like, but it was, it was, you know, it was a really good time. Yeah. Pauline was hilarious. Like, she's like, I can't believe you got some of those stories out of me. <laughs> Brian uh, was actually, I think I was laughing the hardest with Brian because he's such a comedian. Yeah. I'll tell yeah. you my thing yeah, that please. I love. This is just purely from our artistic point of view was the all the different dialects of pigeon. Um, it was just so freaking awesome. I love it. I mean, but they all, different, right? There's so yeah. many different, like I was just editing Jason Machu and like his voice is amazing. Like it's so old school. It's so like tempered and slow and like deep. Yeah. And I think his and just uh, the style of pigeon is like amazing. It just brings me back like a really long time from a long time And you ago. could just see like, like, you know, these guys, they were just so appreciative. It was unbelievable. Like I, I, uh, you know, but especially 
his daughter afterwards yeah. was like, we never hear any of this. Like he, no. you know, and so it was that, I remember that moment of like, he's kind of looking at us both <laughs> after I asked the first question, he's like, oh, uh, really? And then he just, he just, op- yeah, just opened up, let yeah. it go. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. It was great. It was great. I love that we have that on tape, all the different ways people express themselves. It's pretty neat. So what do you, uh, what would you like to see for a season two or our yeah, you little start? What interim? do you want to see? I just said what I want to see. I, I think not what I want to see necessarily, but what I think I'm interested to kind of hear how people draw those lines. Like, right. Like that, that again, when you mean draw the lines. You mean like not between people draw. and ecosystems, like the fact that these places are dependent on us now, frankly. Right. So that there, I think that this, there's, we're away from this, like the, you know, talking with students and things like that, like that's like old school and like, you know, it's, we're beyond that as far as the younger people are concerned. What do you want to see? I am really interested in exactly what you just said. You know, the, the people in our peer group in younger who are coming at conservation, um, from a cultural perspective and also just, you know, um, doing this grassroots work that I just myself don't know very, very much about, know very little about. I I feel like I'm a little more versed in the agency work because that's my background. That's where I come from. But then the grassroots work that people are doing, I'm super interested in hearing about that. I'm interested in getting, um, some of our other, you know, we've talked about this. I just put this out there, (laughs) you know, Joel Lau, um, you know, uh, Hank Oppenheimer, some of our, you know, like esteemed biologists, um, Jerry Carr, I'd love to get him on our show. I mean, there's just, there's, you know, a lot of those folks. The scientist side. Yeah. yeah, I want to get, you know, some Marine folks on our show. I'm putting this out there just to, you know, nudge you people. If you know these folks, please send them our way. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'd love to get local IA, um, you know, fish pond, um, restoration folks on our show, restoration folks on our show, you know, all of it. So, um, many, many more people to talk with and I'm super excited. Um, yeah, I hope, I I hope think, all of I you are so. too. Um, Write a review. Let us know what you think. <laughs> if you're if you're still listening. All right, Clay. Well, well done. Yeah, that was great. Fifteen episodes. <sighs> I guess. Uh, on to the next one. On to the next one. Signing off. All right. Take care, everybody. Mm-hmm.